0: Method to the Madness is next. You're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today I'll be interviewing Ruben Hernandez, co-founder, CEO, and resident rainmaker at Oakland-based DevLabs. Welcome to the program, Ruben. Thank you. What is DevLabs? DevLabs.
1: DevLabs is what we call an accelerator fund. It's a combination of supporting entrepreneurs, identifying supporting entrepreneurs to become investment ready, and then invest in them actual cash. So we do a lot of support services for innovators and entrepreneurs all over the world and then we also uh, provide investments of anywhere between $25,000 to $100,000.
0: Okay, I read a lot about these kinds of organizations. You're Oakland based. Maybe you could explain how are you different from all the other VCs and other people trying to raise money for these entrepreneurs?
1: Yes, we're different because is our own money. DevLabs was founded by two people, who myself and Jose Lopez, and we had a software development company, and we took the profits from our software development company to create our own fund because we felt that there was not enough uh, VC or angel capital money going into first-time entrepreneurs from what we call outlier communities. Oh, that's so interesting. Outside, what do you mean by that? That's why we're in Oakland. Oakland is considered an outlier community it's oh. outside of... <laughs>
0: by San Francisco. <laughs> yes,
1: and by Silicon Valley, right? So yeah. Silicon Valley doesn't consider Oakland as part of the Silicon Valley ecosystem. But so we're just outside of, of that. And with that premise, we have recruited entrepreneurs from cities like Fresno, Phoenix, Houston. Uh, we go as far south as uh, southern Chile, where um, you know 600 miles south of... Of the main hub in South America, Santiago we're 600 miles south of that. So we don't go to those major hubs where there's a lot of overvalued and overhyped businesses or entrepreneurs and also the the, the VC industry is is fighting for this sort of the same entrepreneurs right No one is really looking at that first- time entrepreneur that is solving problems in a very different way than this third or fourth time entrepreneur.
0: It also opens opportunities for people who haven't gone to MIT and Stanford where they've been trained either in business or engineering or software development, whatever. Doesn't it open it up to people who maybe don't even have high school or college education?
1: Absolutely. We actually have a few startups in in our portfolio that our founders are – they didn't even get high school degrees, right? Um, A lot of our founders are from public universities, like you said, Cal State Universities, the Arizona State University system, the – public university system in Chile and Colombia. We don't we don't recruit from the top universities.
0: Do you recruit from only universities or can it be anyone?
1: It could be anyone that is solving a problem and using software to solve that problem. So
0: you're software only.
1: Only software. I'll tell you why that is important uh, because it has become so cheap to develop, or low cost I should say, to develop companies that use software to solve problems. And we focus on four major industries. Agriculture, education, health, and finance. So anything that deals with access to those four major things, if you look at just the GDP of, of the United States, about one and a half trillion dollars go to healthcare, one one point one trillion dollars goes to education. The finance sector is huge. So when you look across the world, those four major verticals are essentially the big the big problem.
0: And you know about these, you spend a lot of time in the San Jose Chamber of Commerce. Yes. I guess you also led a bunch of trade missions, Mm -hmm. so is this what led you? To this idea? Yes, absolutely. Just interacting with these different countries and seeing what they need?
1: Yeah. And that's where I learned that software was the future for investment. um, Because with the Greater San Jose Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, I was leading trade missions of US investors going to countries like, you know, as far as Indonesia, India, where we were looking for investments in energy and agriculture, but massive 20, 30, $40 million projects. I saw that the returns on those investments were going to be, you know, many many years later—thirty years, forty years later. In software, you you have typical forty to seventy percent gross profit margins in year one if you do it well. In projects that are more energy intensive or you know, like physical assets intensive, you have a lower margin, so you you need to wait longer to get your return on investment. With software, you can you can get your return on investment and get really large multiples within 10 years. I cannot go by myself just with my own money to go and invest in a, in a $20 million, not at this stage of my life, but I can go and invest ten, twenty, forty thousand $40,000 into a team of two that is disrupting the agriculture industry.
0: Are you opening up this to other investors at some point?
1: Yes. So we've been around for three years almost. And we just launched a fund in Chile with uh, limited partners, mostly U.S. investors. And the government of Chile has a program that they do a match, the 341, they call it. So it's essentially a credit line So for every dollar that we bring in as private investors, they match it with $3. And
0: that's the only place you're doing that right now? Right right? now, yes.
1: We're planning to probably come back here in the U.S. and raise a fund here in a couple of years. Right now, we're focused on raising money for our fund in Chile. Also, we're working very closely with the World Bank and the governments of Jamaica, Barbados, and the Caribbean to do something very similar next year. Um, We're already working with lots of startups from the Caribbean, and it's going really well.
0: What do the people you invest in get out of this?
1: Before they even start making any sales. So we encourage our startup entrepreneurs to not ask for any money until they have actually reached at least $50,000 in revenues. So they need to be generating some revenues. Um, But before the $50,000, what we do is we support them. We we support them with product development engineers, with salespeople, and we, we spend maybe... Anywhere between ten to fifteen thousand dollars in services for them. We don't ask for any equity at that point. We what we want to see is how quickly can they get to fifty thousand dollars, right? So You're
0: giving them business skills.
1: They have to have some sort of business skills. We can. We don't do coaching and training. You know there, there there is. They need to tell us what they need. Like if they say, "Well, I'm trying to go into this next market and I want to hit uh, a big customer," can we strategize on how to? do business development so that I can get that next contract. So that's, it's more hands-on, uh, I would say, hands-on advice. And because we have the vested interest in potentially or investing in the future, we want them to get that contract. So when they come to us, when they reach that $50,000 mark, then they're more confident and the negotiation becomes more equal. Lots of first-time entrepreneurs don't really understand what it is to raise money and what are the expectations behind Raising money, and we don't want any really upset entrepreneur because our long-term view is that we want to turn these entrepreneurs into very wealthy individuals
0: you don't want to control the company we
1: don't so once they reach fifty thousand dollars, we, we do investments anywhere between thirty to a hundred thousand dollars for five to fifteen percent equity on the company. No board seats. Uh, we don't want to run their company. We really want to have them create a company and feel that they have uh, they have the the bandwidth to do that. There's That's a lot very of different
0: value. from today's VCs.
1: Absolutely. You also always have to look into. What is the source of capital? Who are the LPs in these funds? Uh, when whenever you, as an entrepreneur, go and raise money from a VC, because that will drive the type of company you're going to be creating, right, or building. So it's and that's a, a major difference, and that's why it's, we're taking our time to raise money from outsiders, because the investors themselves need to have demonstrated something. That they actually care about the entrepreneurs and they want they want to be equals with the entrepreneurs they want to re- be real partners with the entrepreneurs, so we 've already done it. we use our own money, we have figured out ways to bring the confidence level of the entrepreneur high enough to for them to feel that they they 're negotiating as equals, and that we 're going into a partnership together so that we don 't get some nasty divorces later. I read that the in some report that a fund actually lasts twice as long as a marriage in the United States. Really? (laughs) So you have to be really picky about who you're bringing as your co-investors or your limited partners in your fund.
0: Your website, I really like it. There's a section that is your blog where you focus on a lot of these companies. Can you talk about a couple of the things you're working on right now? Sure.
1: People come to us with ideas. One of the people in there is... um, Teaching is called Teaching Excellence Network, and, and it was very interesting. It was uh, actually a professor from San Francisco State that has had an, a really brilliant idea, and not just an idea, but he had proved it for twenty years that in order to raise the grades of students, you have to have good relationships with the kids and the families. And he was a, a teacher in the Oakland Unified School District for years, and he was able to raise some some foundation money, and then um, he went through the process of working with us. And he created a startup essentially that does uh, what we call teacher feedback and evaluation from the stakeholders in the school—the parents, the the students, the other teachers, the administrators. Uh, this was, you know, was a major success because it included everybody, and it, it, and it, it was it, measurable, observable, it was totally. And okay. we created a software platform to make it easier and faster for all the stakeholders to provide that feedback in a very healthy and friendly way, so that it doesn't the the information is not used. Against the teacher is actually a use for the teacher to enhance their their performance in the classroom and with the relationships with children, other parents, and and other teachers. He's a San Francisco State professor, but he lives in Oakland, okay. and is is an Oakland based organization that has done very well. What about LaborX? LaborX, yeah. They are looking to increase diversity in the labor force. So they're doing a double-sided marketplace, which is a very difficult thing to do. And that's one of what the... What does that mean? The, you look at a physical marketplace, right? You, you got to get suppliers and consumers into a physical place to buy stuff, right? And platform is the same thing. You build a platform to bring suppliers and buyers into a platform. So LaborX is a is a double-sided marketplace for for a diverse workforce, right? And we have been working with LaborX to sort of help them hone in their business model so that it's more of a business-to-business software business model, right? Because it's really difficult. You have to raise a lot of money. It's more the cost of recruiting people on both oh. sides. and LaborX, you have to get employers and potential and job seekers onto the platform. And you have to make it so that it's economically feasible. So a lot of the work that we are doing with LaborX is just uh, trying to figure out how they can just focus on one side of the market so that they, uh, they can deliver value for either the, the employers or the or the job seekers.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Method to the Madness, a bi-weekly public affairs show on KALX Berkeley, celebrating Bay Area innovators. I'm your host, Lisa Kiefer, and today I'm interviewing Ruben Hernandez, the co-founder and CEO at Oakland-based Dev Labs. What I read is that you are looking at untapped talent pools, exactly. like, you know, veterans and immigrants and people without college degrees. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people on the street that have talent.
1: And what's unique about us, too, is that we provide a lot of the infrastructure support. Like if you're from out of town, we have apartments that people can stay for a period of time, you know, a couple of weeks, two, three weeks. Kind of just get them going, get them in an ecosystem that's different from other cities outside of Silicon Valley and then get get exposed to to a community of potential buyers, potential investors, potential partners, potential employees. There is a very proven model where if you are from a small town where the cost of living is low and you have software developers there, keep them there. Develop good products from those communities And sell it in the higher-income communities or cities like San Francisco, Oakland, or New York. So uh, you're assuming
0: those little places have high-speed internet.
1: They do. Little places like you go down to Temuco and down in Chile, it's like state-of-the-art uh, access to, to internet and technology. Is, uh, when we're talking about cities that we work in, we, we look at cities that have has already an ecosystem, like public universities with a large number of uh, students. So you must have that infrastructure to support. Uh, this small city in, in Chile is 250,000 people. There are 15 universities, 50,000 student population. So uh, it's a large number of students that are that's a lot of talent and but the market is very small like when when you look at the the, the marketplace in terms of jobs, they have to migrate to uh, Santiago to get a job. But the same here in California, right? If you're going to to Chico State, Humboldt State, Fresno State, you have to go to a bigger city exactly. to get a job. So,
0: so this is really great for local economies. It'll keep people in these areas, right? Yes. I mean, potentially.
1: And they're very happy. And we're, we've proven it already. Um, we're actually, we're attracting more people to come back to Oakland now because they see, well, I'm from Oakland. I know people. I know how to live in a very frugal way so i can build a company right and the same things happening with uh, people in fresno that we're working with or people in phoenix they come here they get they get the exposure they get the access they go back to to their towns and they start building and whenever they wanna they wanna sell, they sell to the bigger markets. That's why we do software, and we focus exclusively on, on software.
0: How many people are a part of this investment group?
1: So the co-founders of Devlabs are three of us, and so we have uh, uh, what we call Devlabs Ventures as a limited partnership with just three people. The Chile Fund is a uh, is a limited partnership with uh, we're right now about to close it. We have about twenty investors in that in that pool. And now we're looking to come back eventually to California and, and start and, a fund here. Right. It'll, probably, it'll probably be a couple of years.
0: Is Escuela a part of, is that something different from an investment?
1: So Escuela Popular is actually an adult school in San Jose, in East San Jose. Most of the people there, the average age is 31. So the adult schools, they, they come from other countries, mostly from Mexico. And they come and they go to that school to learn English, to get their high school degrees or get certain certifications, and a lot of them have businesses. So we look at them as a potential source of software-based companies that they can build. We started a program there, more of a... Uh, what we call a fellowship program where people learn how to code very quickly and they launch businesses, software businesses oh, so very quickly. So you're incubating. We have to. like, yeah. and, and that's why we call so ourselves... So you don't just
0: go out and discover, you are also incubating. We
1: have to. There's, We have to create the deals. And that's why it's important for us to work with local governments, with local foundations, local schools, universities, because... The deals are not there for the picking the ecosystems are just getting started in many of the cities, so we have to really go top down with stakeholders at the ecosystem level and then uh, bottom up from like local entrepreneurs that want to want to grow faster and we show them very quickly the advantage of doing a software business versus a service business or a physical product or or you know like uh, the, a lot of the government programs outside of the u s and even in the u s to, to, to a certain extent are Promoting this small business mentality, which is great, but it only uh, it, it, you can only grow so much as a small business uh, because you need capital to grow. And this software business, you don't have that overhead, that barrier. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, yeah. that huge yeah. overhead. You can build companies that are generating revenues of one to two million dollars with two or three people in it. You know, mm-hmm. but there are companies that are also generating that kind of cash and employing 20, twenty, thirty people. So the 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 employment part is really important because out of this. This sort of like coding camps and entrepreneurship boot camps. What we get is sort of like a 60-40 split, where sixty percent of the people that go through this experiences end up getting better jobs and being better employees at other startups or large companies. But then the other forty percent they actually start companies and they stick to. And that's a, company that's a big building. percentage. That's a huge percentage for yeah. for uh, for any any program.
0: Well, how are you getting the word out about yourselves?
1: We're working very closely with the city of Oakland with different initiatives. We're, we're working with other foundations in Oakland. We're working with banks. That's the ecosystem work that we have to do in every city. So we spend most of our time and energy in building those relationships to help people understand and make them aware of the opportunity for investment in software-based companies.
0: So where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in New York. I moved to the Bay Area about 16 years ago to Oakland. I read that
0: you got an engineering degree at Columbia. Yes. What kind of engineering?
1: I was an environmental engineer, actually. (laughs) After graduating from Columbia, I went to work for Accenture um, Management Consulting, and I was um, working in their utility practice, energy and utilities. And I was shipped around the world to do major um, ERP system and implementations. I used to manage, you know, tens of millions of dollars in in teams and product. I used to manage teams from all over the world, traveled to many countries around the world to do this, you know, lived in Europe for for a few years between Ireland, England, Spain, Mexico, all over the US, Canada, just doing these implementations of uh, large uh, software platforms. And then just decided when I moved to the Bay Area, moved to Oakland, I uh, came into contact with this whole movement of social justice and also economic development combined. And it was I was very intrigued because every country that I went to, I saw that there was this Sort of movement of of being more collaborative, being more inclusive when it comes to economic development, and I really like that about Oakland, about the Bay Area. And I decided to leave Accenture and, and start my own software development company with a with a few people here in in uh, in the Bay Area. Uh, for a few years, I did that, and then the the world was calling me again. So that's when I started uh, going back to the international investment world with the Chamber of Commerce and going out and doing the train missions and then coming across really talented software engineers outside of the U.S. and the low cost of investment, that's what led me to It's kind of like you
0: have the perfect background for all of this. You've traveled widely. I mean, you, you've seen the problem areas. Yes. I wanted to ask you what you think you're – Greatest success has been so far in this Dev Labs project.
1: You know, it's that's a great question because it's I, only been three years. I think the fact that people are listening to what we're saying and what we're doing. Um, I think all the results, the focus that we've had on people, like we've had entrepreneurs that have gone through. T- three startups already, right? If you see our website, it doesn't say portfolio, it doesn't say startups, it says people.
0: I know. It's a great website.
1: Devlabs.vc, devlabs.vc D E V Labs.vc is in venture capital. It
0: really is a fun website to because it's very personal.
1: Absolutely. And that comes from where we believe that people are the center of all this. I mean we are working with people, whether that is the entrepreneurs or limited partners or the customers of those entrepreneurs, that is the, the biggest success is that we We have built some really strong rooted relationships with people that are trying to solve very big and and very complex problems. And they don't give up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They may fail at one Product. And they may
0: not necessarily fit in, like you said earlier, to this Silicon Valley mold of people.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And and yeah. when we go to you know when we go to other countries or we go to other cities in the US, they kinda of look to us for advice and we're like, no, we're looking to you for expertise and advice because you understand the local community, you understand the problem. We can give access to larger markets, we can give access to to more capital, but first you have to prove it locally. You have to prove that you can solve a problem locally so that we can scale. We're good at scaling. We're good at Taking taking you from $50,000 to a million dollars, and that is is massively valuable for an entrepreneur that hasn't had the access in millennia <laughs> yeah. for, for that matter. So
0: if an entrepreneur has got this great idea and they're working with you, are you basically – to get those early revenues acceleration yes. – are you opening doors for them? Yes. In other words, you're saying, okay, I'm going to hook you up with so-and-so and so-and-so and create a sales opportunity? Yes.
1: So we we know exactly what the sales process is and the sales team, that it what it should look like. So we sort of become that first sales force. That's why it's important to have at least two people, one who is a non-technical person, more the hustler, and the technical person, the, the, the real hacker. That can manage a team of developers and the non-technical person that can manage a team of salespeople. And we just become more of a a strategic advisor for them and and say, how can you do this faster? How can you sell faster? We hire people for them. Uh, Okay. First-time entrepreneurs, they just don't know where to get that First, you know, a few thousand dollars just to hire a couple of people to do your lead generation, your contract negotiation, or not, not even a contract negotiation, just they have to be good salespeople. That's one thing that we look at. If you can't even close on your own friends, you have a hard time building. But sometimes, a
0: company. very technical people who develop software solutions to something aren't necessarily salespeople,
1: it has to be a technical person that. That cares about the problem and can build a product, and a non-technical person that can that go and talk to people, the and under- understands the application and understands people and they care about going out there every day and talking to people about the problem and getting a solution out there with their partner. And so we just become uh, a bit of a leverage for them to actually sell to either medium sized companies large companies. That's why we're only focused on business to business software because uh, we understand that space. Um, we don't do marketplaces we don't do business to consumer we don't do fads, we don't do Facebook apps or any any of that stuff. We don't do games uh, because they The monetization of those business models is, it takes a long time. With business to business, you can generate revenues the first month.
0: I understand that you're involved in the tech entrepreneurship ecosystem mapping exercise in Oakland. Mm -hmm. What are you going to be doing?
1: So we have learned a lot from going into other ecosystems. um, The ingredients for, for a healthy ecosystem, a collaborative ecosystem. So we're bringing those learnings to Oakland and basically convening starting an initiative of, of saying, okay, you stakeholder. And stakeholder means from the universities, colleges, training centers that are providing training and, and capacity building to entrepreneurs all the way to banks that are, have some potential financial products that can be more attractive to entrepreneurs. Um, and we're, we're talking about first-time entrepreneurs that are launching their businesses, right? Business associations like Chambers of Commerce, working with them to f- figure out what is their specific role into making the journey of an entrepreneur to go from zero, no money, to generating 50, 100,000, 200,000 dollars in a short period of time. Because right now, really, our ecosystem has too many distractions for an entrepreneur that we don't even know where to start sometimes, right, as an entrepreneur. So you have to spend a lot of time digging into what are the resources and what, how much do they cost in terms of time and money? An ecosystem should be very mindful above the life of the entrepreneur, meaning the time. So if if I spend a few months doing research on a, on a local problem, that's those are a few months that I'm not earning any money. So how can I bring it down to a few days, right? And then start selling the next week so that I can then feel less pressure to go get a job and I can stay in solving the problem, we we can buy some time. So I think uh, as as stakeholders, investors ourselves, we have the the responsibility, and we also have the the interest, the self interest to make that process faster. Because there's no enough, there's not there's not enough deal flow for investors to to find an entrepreneur, and then you have to work with them. it. It takes a lot of work. If we can streamline the process of getting customers and getting capital for um, entrepreneurs, that's what the tech ecosystem is, the entrepreneurial tech ecosystem is uh, is intending to do. It's an ongoing process. But uh, it includes everyone? It includes. So any
0: entrepreneur could go yep. to this?
1: this is just the beginning, right? Because there's so many players in the ecosystem right now in Oakland. And, uh, and you gotta see the sources of capital, uh, their interests, their their driving force, their incentives economic incentives and social incentives because it's, it's, it's also sometimes could be a little bit political so if we can just narrow down The problem that we're trying to solve, I think we can all come together and develop a very streamlined ecosystem. So I think this is a process of months, if not years. So we're just initiating, we're leading, we're sharing information and seeing how this can evolve into something that we can, a few months from now, we can say, look, here are some results of what our work has um, been able to provide to someone who lives in West Oakland, East Oakland, in Fresno, uh, anywhere in the U.S. when they want to come to Oakland, start a company, we—it's it, really and economic development. You can do this anywhere. Really, you can do, you this, do this anywhere. It. It's difficult though, because Oakland has the ingredients and has the mentality. That's why I'm, I just got off the phone with someone from Fairfax in Virginia, and they're like. We just love the Bay Area. You guys are the forefront of all this innovation and transparency. And I think that's that's why Oakland is going to attract a lot more people that can maintain the diversity and diversity in, in all sense, in right? In every way, yeah. In all sense of the, of because uh, also from an investor perspective, we also look at the diversity of capital. If you look at the diversity of capital in Oakland, you have so many sources of capital that you can tap into that is great. You don't just have the venture capital world. You have have the foundations you have PRIs you have credit unions you have unions you have uh, unions that are creating foundations and incubators so the the source of capital and the and how that capital wants to be used is very diverse yeah. so that's really exciting about Oakland
0: What's in store for dev labs in the next 5 years or so
1: We want to have our first entrepreneur have a major exit and create their own fund so
0: create their own fund for who
1: for the for for entrepreneurs. other entrepreneurs that's we want more angel investors, we want more capital investors that are uh, that are coming from first generation but of, these are enf-
0: going to be different than the usual v c s and angels
1: uh, we believe so because they 've experienced the problems and the pains that it takes to build a company that creates value they will they will their capital will be used differently will be targeted differently the value on people would be. A bit different. That's at least that's our hypothesis, and we're validating that hypo- hypothesis already. So we're successfully proving that people that are from outside of Silicon Valley don't—they don't want to come here. They just want to leverage Silicon Valley, but they're staying in their in their communities, building their local communities, local economies, uh, being resilient, uh, being collaborative. When we look at the environment, right, Earth, people, th- those are limited resources. Um, but the the what the mind can do and what the energy that we have as human beings is is unthinkable, so I think we need to explore that a bit more and be more be more hopeful and be more bullish on people.
0: What advice would you give to a local entrepreneur?
1: They need to go out there and sell they just need to go out there and hustle. they need to go out there and ask people what they need and go get them what they need that's really how economies the world has moved that we were here because of entrepreneurs that understand value and value is asking people for what they need and bring it at a, at, a, at a lower cost and that's why software is so is so important at this point because we can deliver so many things with software at a lower cost a lot of us are just missing out because we're not seeing as an as an opportunity so any entrepreneur just go out there and sell and start Finding some friend that is a software developer and that can you can bring him on board to start building some software and
0: then they'd have to get a hold of you. So, how, how would someone get a hold of you and Dev Labs?
1: Sure. I mean, our website, you, you can go there, our LinkedIn, our, our information is there. You can email me at Ruben. Is that
0: D E V L A B S all one word? Yes. Dot VC. Dot
1: VC. And my email is just very simple Ruben R U B E N. Uh, devloves.vc so email me my phone number 510-333-7338 full transparency let's, let's, let's talk, let's chat if you are solving a problem and you're running into issues with capital or, or market let's let's chat
0: Ruben this is great, I really appreciate you coming on the show thank you you're welcome. you've been listening to Method to the Madness tune in again in two weeks at this same time